Welcome to the Life of Faith North podcast, where you can access the latest Sermon of the Week and explore our archive of past messages. To access other resources or view live content, please visit us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Life of Faith North. We hope you will find this message encouraging and uplifting as you listen.
of souls are growing strong in souls. And so that will be a theme for us for the whole year of 2024. We won't teach on it all the time, but this will weave in and out of the year. Because church, this is a year for each and every one of us to grow strong of soul. Right? And as I've prayed this out and thought about it, that's going to be in like three tiers. We're going to grow strong in soul corporately as a church family. We're going to go strong in soul as families, individual households. And you're going to grow strong in soul as an individual. Right? So, so we're going to have strong people, strong families, and therefore a strong church in soul. Right, so here in Proverbs 18 and verse 14, it says, and this will be kind of our text, at least for a little while, it says, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. So again, this word spirit, don't let it throw you when you look at different translations. It's not talking about your human spirit. And again, your born-again human spirit was the part of you that was transformed when you believed in Jesus. So when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, and we say in the church world, and he came into your heart, right, and he moved into you. Now again, he did come into you, but through the person of the Holy Spirit, right, then he transformed your spirit into the image of Christ, and then the Holy Spirit sealed your spirit, so that your spirit is whole and perfect and complete in God. And everybody should say, aren't you glad you can't mess up your spirit anymore? Hey, praise God. Amen. Aren't you glad that, amen, that when he saved you and your spirit was transformed, that's a permanent condition? Amen. At least two of you are. Praise God. That's a permanent condition. Your spirit is complete in Christ, as Paul told the Colossians. However, you have another part of your human heart called your soul. Now, your soul must be transformed and saved. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And it's the soul aspect that God is talking about here when he says that the strong soul of a man will sustain him in the day. One transversal says it like this, will sustain him in the day of adversity. Right, we'll sustain. As we said last week, sometimes we have outside adversity like sickness. Something happens in the culture, something happens outside of us, but it's to us. That's a day of adversity. And some of our adversity and the adversity we should lovingly accept is the challenge for our soul. The adversity that is going to be brought on that causes us to grow. What I mean by that as an example from a Bible story is, again, King David wasn't out hunting for giants. He just happened to be door dashing for his dad. And the king that was on the inside of David called out to a giant that was threatening his nation. You see that. But because David had grown strong in soul, when he was in the pasture and he had defeated the lion 
and he had defeated the bear because he was strong of soul, then when the calling on his life brought him to Goliath, his soul was ready. That's the day of adversity we should long for. Amen. Come on. Because I'm going to challenge us this. Again, I said it last week. I'll say it a few more. A little disclaimer. Of anything I've probably taught, I recognize that this is the highest probability I'm going to have to rub your cat backwards. <laughs> right? During this message, during what we're going to talk about this year, is going to be the, probably the greatest times of challenge you and I are going to face. But remember, if I'm being challenged, it's because I can kill Goliath. Because God will never lead us to the giant of our life outside of the time we can actually kill it in. Somebody, oh, I'm going with this side. They seem, the youth seem more happy about this. Uh, Kurt's over there. Kurt's good. Does that make sense? Remember when Israel faced the promised land for the first time before they failed in their soul they were ready to possess the land they just didn't know they were ready and they let the voice of 10 weak souled people talk them out of what they were ready to accomplish does that make sense so that's why again God says it's the strong soul of a man that will sustain him and keep him and bring him through the day of adversity. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's talk about this. In the, just a little bit of a recap. I did drawing. We're going to draw more this year. Yay. Stick people, stick people saving the world everywhere. All right, so remember last week I kind of drew this guy here. You're going to recognize this person, right? You're going to recognize them. Y'all remember, what was this person called? Remember, this is, you know this, this is myself. I gave myself, there we go, there we go. Right? Give him a mustache. I gave him a boy. I'm going to give him a bit of a beard, kind of a mustache thing. There we go. Those it goes. Well, it's close to eight. Hey, hey, I'm not. Remember, this is 2D. This is the best as you get. You get 2D. You get you get 2D. Looks looks like a chicken. Somebody said. So, but remember, we talked about and and again, we all have understood what it says, and we've probably all been taught what it says in First Thessalonians chapter five, where Paul says, "Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, make you completely holy." And may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body be kept flawless until the day of the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. How many of you here have never heard that you are three parts? Anybody here before never heard that you're a three-part being? So everyone has, has everyone heard that? Some of you look a little dubious. So I'm just going to go real quick. You were made in the image of God. So we know God as one being, but how many parts does he have? Can you name God's three parts? Right, so there's God the Father, there's God the Son, Jesus, 
and God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, but one being. Now that should not be hard for us to comprehend because you're made the same way. You were created in the image of God and like he is a three-part being, you are a three-part being. You are principally a spirit. You have what we call a soul and you live in a physical body, right? Now, when I talk about the soul, tell me, good church people, what are the parts of your soul that you know? Most of have you ever been heard that before? Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that is true. I have just discovered it's not complete. There is more to your soul than just your mind, your will, and your emotions. So for sake of our drawing, remember we said here, in your brain, the organ of your brain is where your soul lives. Your soul is actually housed in three parts of your body. Surprise, surprise, another trinity. We now know that we have a brain. Everybody have a brain? Who has a brain? Everybody have a brain? All right, so in your brain, you have neurons, and this is where most of your soul resides. But they now know that there are neurons on your heart, about 40,000 neurons, just like that are on your brain, live on your heart. And we have neurons in our gut. That's why we say things like, my stomach is all tied in. Is it really? No, you just feel that way. Or if it's happy, oh, I got butterflies in my, do you actually have butterflies? No, I hope not, right? Maybe, maybe if you're some of our, our small boys, you might have butterflies literally in your stomach and stuff. It's funny, I remember taking Sophia, she's not here to defend herself, so taking Sophia fishing for the first time when she's little bitty, and we're there fishing, it's up in Canada, it's cold, it's about this time of year, and I look over, and I'm like, baby, what you got in your mouth? She goes, warm. <laughs> and she had put, and I said, what do you, she goes, they were cold. So she literally, <laughs> she was keeping our worms warm. And there was something to it because we caught more fish that day. So anyway, so maybe you might have some literal butterflies, but most of the time we say that, that, hey, did you know that your heart, your heart has neurons on it that help, that are connected, right? Again, for, and I don't have time to talk about this in detail, but you can go look at it now because we've had so many successful heart transplants, they literally talk about no, they now know that there is a reception of the donor's soul as well as the organ. The most amazing, one of the most amazing ones that I heard of was that there was a little old church lady, right, and she needed a heart, so she ends up, they call, hey, we got a heart, can you put her on an offer, put the new heart in her, she's waking up. Now remember, this is a little old, she's been in church her whole life. When she comes to and she's waking up after the procedure, she goes, man, I want a beer. And chicken nuggets. And everybody was like, huh? And so literally for like weeks, there was this change. And she had these strong cravings for beer and all this kind of. And, and so finally the family calls the doctor and says, um, can you tell me about the donor? Because mama's acting weird. And so they, they really, they, this, is what, this is really, they said, oh, he was a motorcycle guy that died in a motorcycle accident. He was a biker, and when we cut his suit off of him, a box of chicken nuggets fell out. 
And there's story after story after story that there was an imprint of the soul on the heart. Right? And they actually now know that it's these wirings around your heart that actually go this way and fuel your brain. How many of you, you grew up in church and they said, I got to get it from my head to my heart, which is a true statement, but we always thought this is what guided what, but they now know your heart, those 40,000 neurons drive what you do in your brain. So that's why, have you ever wondered why Paul said you must be renewed in the spirit of your mind? That, that when we talk about rewiring our soul, we're not just solely talking about changing our thinking. We're talking about changing our soul to a degree where this is rewired. All right, so anyway, so we'll talk. So, so back over here. So up in this front part of our brain, in this green part, lives our mind and our will. Right? So remember, we know our three parts that we've heard about are what? Our mind, our will, our emotions, right? But there's more. Back, let's see, let's do purple. No, let's do red. And let's, let's break that. Can we fix that if you get a pen, please? Sorry, new, new toys. So back here, so this is the conscious mind. This is what we call the subconscious mind. In our subconscious mind, thank you, say, in our subconscious mind lives what we call our memories. This is what lives in our meanings. This is what lives in the most important, they know now our belief system lives in the subconscious part of our brain. And then ultimately back here, well, we'll do that. Those are the three main points that, that are there. Now, again, to not go too far, it's this part of your brain that is wired to your physical heart. Well, it's somewhere down there. The, again, not perfect, but just trying to make a point. You understand? So they, this part, this subconscious part, those neurons I just talked about that are here, those 40,000 neurons, are tied to these things. Right? Again, aren't you glad back here in your subconscious is one of the greatest acts of love of God is he put everything back here that really matters for life where you don't think about it. Like your heart beating. Breathing. Aren't you glad you don't have to remember to breathe? You don't have to remember to make your heart beat. You don't have to try to believe. You just believe. Does that make sense? And that whole thing fuels what's happened and hardwires it deep down in here. Where literally, if you gave your heart up as a donor and put it into somebody else, this part of you would carry on. Have you ever thought, <laughs> most people haven't, but that's, I'm trying, why do I say all this? Just so people, because you need to know how God made you to work. What is causing most of Christianity's problems 
isn't their flesh. It's this. Right? So again, for sake of our little conversation, just to bring people up, when I talk about memories, I'm going to be talking about habits. We shared a little bit about this on Thursday night. And what I mean by habits are the things that you do because that's who you believe you actually are. Because habit is the indicator of identity. Again, we said it before, right? If people run marathons, when you talk to someone who runs marathons, do they tell you, I run marathons? Is that, is that what they say? What do they say? They say, I'm a runner. That's who I am. I run. Therefore, I run marathons, 5Ks. I do. Why? Because they love that activity. They're just expressing what they've convinced themselves that they are through habit. Right? And listen to me, and real change, real, that transformative change of Romans chapter 12 comes when this expresses the truth of who you are. Does that make sense? I know this is, I'm trying to go slow. And as we said before, and I'll say, if at any time while we're talking, you want to ask a question, you want to clarify something, you want to make something, yes. Good. That's awesome. Well, I want you to think about the habits. And, we're coming. and now, over the coming weeks, we're going to unpack this as much as I know how. Right? And y'all pray for me, please, because I'm asking, and I'm, I'm on a crash course <laughs> for myself. God is climaxing about two years of research for me and what we're doing. So y'all just keep praying, because this is for all of us. Does that make sense? All right. But you notice that there's something missing. What's missing? Number three. Mind, will, emotions. I love the fun. Everybody having fun? Good. Good. Awesome. I want this to be fun, right? And there's a reason why I'm teaching. Do you know why I want it to be fun? Because when this is engaged... This just happens, one way or the other. When your emotions are involved, whether positive or negative, this emotions are what wire this. They're the bridge, right? Whether positive or negative, either way. So emotions, and they now know, psych psychologists now know that when you take an event and that event is attached to a strong emotion, positive or negative, the emotion drives the event down deep into your subconscious. And then what happens is, is whatever meaning you give that event, it then becomes your belief. Are positive. Absolutely. And it sticks that core memory down in there deep. 
shoves it way down deep inside of your subconscious, right? Because remember, your, your subconscious is only trying to do one of two things. It's either trying to keep you safe or it's trying to repeat the positive. That's the only two things it's trying to do. Does that make sense? If it's negative, your subconscious, the way God wired you is, is oh, because remember, these things are all attached to identity. So anytime your identity is attacked, right, your body goes into fight or flight, and it's going to push back, and it's going to say, no, we don't want that. That's negative. That's bad. I'm safe. Keep Brad safe. Or if it's positive to my identity, my brain goes, oh, that's me. Let's do that again. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So again, I just want, again, it will Memories, things, events that happen, right? That fuel then habits. Does that make sense? It's why we do certain things. Again, most of us know this to the negative. Why does it seem so hard for me to kick my negative habit? Why is it hard for me to put the donut down? So I'll tell you on mine, you know why? Because my mom and I, almost every morning, would stop by Fulton Mill Bakery on the way to work. <laughs> and we'd stop by, what was it? So we'd stop by Fulton Mill Bakery. And all of my positive memories about my mom are around the drive to and from school. That's when she discipled me. That's when she taught me. That's when she was her most pleasant. That's when she wasn't aggravated or angry or upset. That's, and so all, and it was surrounding by this memory, this habit of donuts. And I know that, and I know that sounds stupid, but that's how this works. So my brain doesn't just think donuts taste good. My brain goes back to my mom loves me. My mom cares for me. My mom wants to do good for me. And so it's hard because it down there. So now when I think about, oh man, 50 years old, donuts maybe not the best idea on the planet. <laughs> not, every day. not every day. But but what happens is is the initial thing is is my brain doesn't think it thinks all of that here. It thinks all of that here, logically, but my subconscious goes, oh, you're cutting out your mom. You're severing connections. Can't do that. Got to keep it safe. Got to hang on to that. That's why I love fishing so much. Only positive memories I have with my natural father are around fishing. And I know every time I'm there, every time I'm there, the only time him and I enjoy each other. So that's why, again, it's a habit in me, but it's more than just I like an activity. So you got, I say that and say that this part of the soul work process, and guys, listen to me. This is sometimes the unpleasant side, is you have to go back. You have to remember. 
And you have to be willing to rewrite the meaning of some stories. Yes. Mm -hmm. Those are great example, Kurt. Those are great things to, and they listen to me. But here's the great thing. Guys, listen. We can rewire ourselves. Again, the, the, the real reason, I know we don't, the Holy Spirit, we know Jesus talked about his job description. John 14, 15, 16. Remember, and it, and it said, he will be like me, he said. He will come. He will guide you into all truth he will remind you of the things I said he will show you things to come and listen that's that's more than and I'm trying to it's more than just he's going to show me what's going to happen in tomorrow see he's actually in there and his whole goal was is he's leading me to a new place right so and so for time let me show you. Is this okay? Everybody doing all right? So we talked about how, again, all around our soul, if you kind of drew this little force field around our soul is our personality, right? And our personality is the canvas that our soul is painted on. I want you to think of it like that. But all around our whole being is a greater force field, Right? Again, so this is the conscious mind. This is the subconscious mind. This is what I've heard termed the superconscious mind, which is basically, we know it in church speak as the spirit. They, they, yeah, the, the new agey people call it your aura. I mean, I was at a place the other day, just this last week, and I was at somebody, and they looked at me, never met this person, really met them once in passing before, but was the first time I ever really got to sit down and be with him and they just his head whipped around me goes man you're just full of light and and I'm like yay that, that just means you can see something does that make sense your vibe as you young people call it your vibe that's in place we have different terms but hey but listen but your spirit or your super conscious it's canvas whereas your soul has a canvas of personality the spirit has a canvas called truth. And your spirit resides upon the canvas of truth. That's why Jesus said to that lady at the well, remember the day that is coming. It's, you're not going to go to Jerusalem. You're not going to come to this well because the Father is seeking those that will worship him from a place of spirit and truth. Right? Because see why? Because your spirit, its canvas, it only knows truth. 
That's all your spirit knows. Your spirit only knows the truth of God, the truth of who he is. Your spirit only knows the truth of who you are. And the Holy Spirit is there to drive the truth all the way in. And that's what he's there to do. Guys, so listen to me. So that's why we should not run from a confrontation with truth. Because listen, there are things that are true about me that I just haven't heard yet. The truth is the word of God. So, so go with me two places. Go to James chapter 1. It's all right, building all right back up to here. It's all right, everybody good. I, I remember I bought you squishy chairs because I know your heart, your heart can only receive what your backside can endure. Right, that's why I bought squishy chairs. How's everybody's backside doing? Everybody doing good? All right, good. Roll tide. Good, awesome. Long as your backside's okay, I know your heart will be fine. So look at this. So James chapter 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 21. It says this. It says, so therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which is able to save your soul. Now this, to practice now for those that are here, that word soul is not the word in the Greek called pneuma, which meant your spirit. The word soul is the word there in the Greek called suke, which was always talking about this. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your meanings, your habits, your, your memories, your belief, your, the soul. I love, again, Brother Hagin taught us this years ago, and it was so wise what he said. Many Christians live and die and never have their soul saved. Their spirit is saved. If they died physically, they would go to heaven. But meanwhile, from their soul, they live still hell on earth. Why? Because they didn't receive with meekness the implanted word of God into their soul. Right? So that word meekness there, it, it means to have a gentle pliable, um, it, teach, disponible, what, how would you say that in English? I, I, went, I went, available, thank you, right? I, I, I went Spanglish on you, I'm sorry. But, um, but it means to have this available, pliable, teachable, gentle, yes attitude. That's what that word, so we receive with availability. We receive with a yes attitude. We receive with an openness the word that's going to save my soul. You don't push it away. Gentle meaning you don't push it back. When you know it's truth. Now how will I know it's truth? Well, it's going to come from the word of God. I'm going to see it here very clearly. So that's why, again, guys, listen, this year of 2024 is going to require to be for us, for all of this to go where God wants us to take us this year, a year where we love the word maybe more than we've done in a while. 
It's going to be a year where the word is going to be made by us preeminent. Right? Now, with that, I say this cautiously. Please, let us not beat each other up with the Bible. Can everybody say amen to that? Amen. Right? We're never to, to take the, the word and smack people around. However, everybody say however. We should remind and talk to each other of the word. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah, well, well what's going to happen? Well, here, okay, we're getting there. So, our spirits are, are like, what do we, vibing. What do you guys say? Our, our spirits with each other? Like, again, if you could look at us in this, we're vibing. Everybody, all kinds of high fives going on in the spirit. Everybody, everybody, you're just chill like that. Everybody just going, you're awesome, you're cool, you're this, you know. We're cool. Yeah, vibing means like we're cool, right? We're good. There's some good. Now, that's for the young people, old people stuff. Hey, you're awesome. Hey, cool. You know, totally awesome, man. That 80s work. You know, so you're totally rad, dude. You're awesome. Tubular, you know. So, <laughs> so y'all remember that? So, anyway, in the spirit, we're there. Where we run into trouble with each other is here. It's when someone presents to me the truth and that truth challenges some aspect of this. That's what James is. You have to have a openness. There has to be an availability of when truth is presented to me Will I yield my soul? Does that make sense? Will I go, okay, I'm yielding to truth. Why? Now, again, I agree with when we know it's truth, right? We don't have to yield to each other's opinions. Now, listen, and you can still have an opinion, and it just be a good old neutral opinion. Like, roll tide. Amen. Our war eagle. Those are opinions that matter not for salvation. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, and, and Sam, you're saying, so this is the part, have you ever heard somebody talk about pruning before? And the process of pruning that Jesus said in John chapter, I believe it is, uh, 15. That the word of God will prune you. He's not talking about pruning your spirit. He's going to prune your soul. Every year. Constantly pruning. Does that, are you with me? Right? And, and you're right. But here's, how about all throughout the New Testament for time's sake? All the times Paul said this, and we were of one mind. We were of one accord. When the church brought them to sell, you could say they were of one soul. Because they had submitted to the king, which meant they had submitted to truth. 
king. That's right. Unless I've submitted to the truth. Y'all hear that? I say that because, guys, listen to me. Truth is going to challenge you and I this year. Maybe more than you've experienced in your whole Christian walk or your whole recent Christian walk. I'm just wanting to, as, a, as, as we talk about this, I, I don't want to, I promised you I would never play spiritual bluff with you. Remember me saying that? I'll say it one more time so you haven't heard. Brother Hagen taught us years ago, he said, do not play spiritual bluff with the people you lead. What do I mean by spiritual bluff? That you're unwilling to go through the process with them. That I'm going to encourage you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. I will never play spiritual bluff with you. And listen to me, but if, if, if you're like me, and truth comes, right, what God does is God doesn't prune us in the sense of he doesn't do it. God puts the pruning shear in your hand, mm -hmm. and he says, cut here. Mm -hmm. Cut here. which may more than likely mean there will be long-standing things in your soul that you're going to have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit leading you with the word, and I will cut that off from my life. You might think things like, well, I've always thought that way. Always felt that way. I've always done that. Of course that's what that means. Are you with me? And he's going to say, listen, remember what I told you before, that the whole, my whole motivation for this for you guys is for four months as I've prayed for you all, God literally only shows me your greatness. And right behind showing me the greatness for each and every one of you and your households, he says it will take great strength of soul. Where I take them will require a strength of soul that is present in them, but like going to the gym, they're going to have to exercise themselves into it. Again, all the analogies that I'm talking about, we talk about again, I thought about gym, I mean, first of the year, right? Good old pastor talking, you know, you know, I'm not a gym person. That's why I think this is funny, right? Is, um, you know, but the whole you know those who have worked out is there pain involved there is but they love it very good there's a bad pain yeah growth that's right but i love this with our with our current culture i don't know how many of you have a tattoo come on just be honest Ta who's my tattoo wearers all right i see that one hand uh, some of them have tattoos I've only, now I, I do not have a tattoo. I do not have a tattoo. I'm not against tattoos. Let me just go ahead and do my disclaimer. I, I, I don't do that. Here's your little thing. There are two verses in the Bible that talk about tattoos. One of them says do it. One of them says don't do it. Both of them are in the Old Testament. The one that says do, do it, it says as long as you're marking yourself for the Lord, you're good to go. The other one says if you're marking yourself in remembrance of the dead, don't do it. So there's your little mini sermonette on tattoos. So I would say if you're a believer here and you got a tattoo, how are you doing it unto the Lord? 
If you're tattooing somebody's death date on there, please don't do that. You're not a tombstone. Does that make sense? So, now, with all of that, I've heard people say that it's painful to get a tattoo. There's some pain in it. Would that, be, would that be true? But I've also heard those same people say, but I'd do it again. If I had an extra couple of hundred dollars, I'd put another one on there. Listen to me. That attitude is the attitude I want us to have about the implanted word of God. You are tattooing the word of God onto your soul. And there may be some pain involved. It most likely is going to challenge you, but I want it to become to a place where we're addicted to it. Where there's this thing in me where I no, 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 no. One, let's put another verse in there. Let's put another chapter in there. Let's put a whole other book in there. Let's put this thought in there. Let's put this principle in there. Lord, burn it into my soul. Does that make sense? That's what the word implanted means. It literally means grafted in. It literally means, we would say, it's tattooed in. It's worked in through a process that is pleasant yet challenging. That is productive yet may be painful. And you have to be willing to do what they say in the, what they say in the gym, no pain, Roll Tide. Boy, you're silly. You just like your daddy. Does that make sense? Go, go with me for time's sake, just a little bit more. Is this okay? Y'all be praying more and more. Where is that, Lord? Okay, go to Matthew chapter 16. And I want to look at a, a physical example here that happened. And we'll close with this. Matthew chapter 16. Not where I thought we'd totally get to, but I'm not sad we got here. Thought we'd go in a different direction, but praise God. Sure, please. Yeah, please do. Very good. That is so all. Thank you for sharing. That's all. Praise God. Amen. Hey, and, and, you know, and, and with that, I want to bring this up. So again, remember, when God brings these things to mind, he is not taking you backwards into condemnation. He's taking you forward into freedom.
Because what he's doing in that is he has to sometimes bring that, and, and I'm trying to put all this together, he has to bring that up and, and remind us so that we can give it a new meaning. So we can actually curse and cast down what was brought against us. Right? So we can actually speak against that and say no. Now again, I'm not saying we deny things happen. Sometimes things, again, memories happen. People do stuff to us that is evil. And it's okay to say that was evil and that happened. But I'm going to give it a meaning that is grounded in truth. And what he's endeavoring and doing with that by bringing it up is to help you rewrite the wiring. Well, and, that, and that's an aspect of, again, why it says, remember, in Hebrews chapter 12, when God said, lay aside the sin and the weight that so easily besets us. Does that, so, 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 do you, you are starting to see, see, remember, truth, even though truth may come and it challenge us, Truth is connected to the yoke of Christ, which we're going to talk about at some point. And remember, his yoke is what? And his burden is? So truth is always light and easy. Lies are always hard and heavy. Does it mean there's not challenge in it? Please, I've got to make that distinction. But the challenge isn't in the doing of the truth. The challenge is in the rejection of the lie. Because you have to be willing to say, "For I'm 50 years old, I'll pick on me. For 50 years I've believed this. For 50 years I've believed the lie. And that doesn't, I will not let that serve me anymore. Right? Does that make sense? And those are those things, but those are the weights that can so easily beset us. They're thought habits and emotional habits, right? Meaning habits. There's things in there. Now, as an example, am I still doing okay? Yes. I read, and we'll do this, and, and I believe if I'm remembering right, so that you'll see this in the video a little bit more that launches tonight. 
So I encourage you to watch the one that comes out on theholomans.com because we'll talk a little bit more about this. But I just wanted to read this, and for time's sake, it's in Matthew chapter 16. And, and you probably have heard this before. This is the great moment where Peter has his greatest, right? You remember that moment where Jesus looks at Peter and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter, by the Spirit, goes, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't show this to you. It's by the Spirit of God. Upon that revelation, I'll build my church. And Peter's like going, man, that's awesome. Right? And it says, and picks up from there in verse 21. So from that time forward, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he would go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many things, and that the chiefs and the priests and the elders would kill him, and he would be raised again from the third day. From the dead on the third day. You remember that? So notice, great revelation from Peter. Jesus has been waiting for that revelation to come. He's been waiting for somebody by the Spirit to go, oh. and from that moment it says that's when he began to teach them certain things. Here's my question. What Jesus taught them based on that revelation, was it true? Not a trick question. That's a resounding yes, right? Would, would Jesus suffer? Would they kill him? Would he die, rise again from the dead on the third day? So Jesus was telling them truth, and it says in verse 22, so then Peter takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. Uh-uh, Jesus. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. You know what happened there? Peter's soul didn't like the truth he heard. Do you see that? Peter's soul rebelled against the truth. Uh-uh, you're my best friend. Uh-uh, we got a good thing going on over here. Uh-uh, we just getting started. Uh-uh, don't tell me that. Does that ever sound like anything ever come out of your mouth? I know it's come out of my mouth before. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I used to say when I was a little boy, I'd say, don't say me that. <laughs> don't say me that. I don't want, I don't, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. Listen to me. Notice verse 23. But Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Now notice this. You are an offense to me. I want to listen to me. This is the only verse where I have found it's acceptable to say I'm offended. Anytime something comes against the truth, it should be an offense to us. You see that? Anytime something comes against the truth, we know where it came from. Jesus identified the author. He didn't say, get behind me, Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because Satan will always try to lead you in offense to the truth. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Now notice, well, let, let you, he says, you're an offense to me. Notice, because you are not mindful of the things of God, 
you are mindful of the things of men. Did you, did you hear how Jesus is addressing Peter's soul? He's saying your thoughts are filled with only the things of this life and of men. If your mind was filled with the thoughts of God, you would have seen this as truth. Listen to me, are, are you all with me? Now, wh why does that matter? We're not trying to pick on Peter. Keep reading. Because I've never connected these two dots together until now, and I should have because it's in direct context. So Jesus then turns to his disciples and says, If any man desires to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What was Jesus telling us to deny? Have you ever heard that preach before? Go and deny yourself. Have you ever put it back to connection of, oh, if you would like to follow me, you're going to need to deny yourself and take up the cross, which is what? The gospel of the truth. You're going to have to take up truth and deny what might be here and follow me. Because he goes on to say this, because whoever desires to save, and it's interesting, save his life but the word life there is the same word suke whoever seeks to save his soul will lose it but whoever will lose his soul for my sake and the gospels or for truth you will actually save your soul yes 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 to adapt truth as the fabric of all. Do y'all see this? See, I'd never seen that before because I always just thought that meant, well, you know, I can't do whatever. I got to not be a professional anymore. I got to not do, I got to I gotta go into full-time ministry because as Jesus said, I got to deny myself. I got to take up my cross and I got to go into the ministry. That's not what he was saying at all. It comes off the heels of Jesus saying, you have let lies get into your soul so that you can't receive the truth. And when the truth is clearly presented by the Spirit, because he had the revelation, and then the truth is clearly presented by the Word itself, you say, I reject it. Because it doesn't fit the parameters I've established in my soul. Because in Peter's mind, in his soul, he had obviously gone down in his imagination what this was supposed to look like life with jesus was supposed to look like this it's supposed to do this it's supposed to mean that it's supposed to be like this and he had painted this picture of what he told himself in his soul this is it and when something challenged when the truth challenged the imagination he had painted he rejected truth guys listen to me that is what happens to many believers they hear the truth, but because of what's been in there, for, they go, no, that can't be true. It can't be, I deny that. Can't be fully saved. Can't be just like the righteousness of God. Because I'm still a sinner. Huge. Can't be healed. Because I haven't experienced it yet. It's huge. Can't be prosperous. 
got to stay because I've always been from a poor place. Always been. Can't do anything great because I'm like Gideon. I was small. I was small in my mom's house. I was small of my whole nation. I was the least can't. There's no way. Guys, listen to me. Y'all see this. And what we're after this year is I want this to reign. And Brad this year, and if you'd join me, Brad this year is going to allow truth to dominate my soul. So that every thought that comes into my mind is where do I see that in truth? Is that truth? I'm going to ask you if you hear me do or say anything that you say, where's the truth in that? Because if there's no truth in that, I'm going to come to you because I love you and I'm not going to let you deny the truth. I'm going to yield my will to the truth and only do what is true. I'm going to submit my emotions to the truth. And even though I may have some crazy emotions this year, they're going to come in line with truth. Does that make sense? Might give myself a few moments to feel them. But somewhere right behind feeling them is the voice of the Spirit of God saying, where's the truth in this? Where's the truth in this feeling? Is there truth in here? Yes. Yes, sir. They'll pray for me. We will. <laughs> Amen. But, but does that make sense? But listen to me. So now there's maybe this verse, and I will know the truth, and the truth will set me free. But I'm going to know it all through here. My soul will know truth this year to a way it's never known before. Your soul, if you will allow it to, will know truth in a way you've never known before. And the depth of the knowing in your soul of the truth of God, it will break shackles off of you that you've carried around, some of you generationally, some of you through your life. Right? And this is treasure. This is a year. And listen to me. And, and it will transform your life but it will transform generations, right? How do I know? Because listen, all my young people back here, the habits that you're establishing now, they now know genetically. The habits you establish now, you'll literally pass them on to your kids. The soul work you're willing to do now, you literally, they know biology, and for the time's sake, it's called, there's genetics and there's epigenetics. 
and, and the deep soul habits they now know unlock whole new gene sequences that if caught young enough, you literally unlock them and pass them on. Come on, God. Do, now do you understand when he says, hey, listen, there'll be a time where some will pass on negative habits or sins of the fathers to four generations. Aren't you glad God said the negative stops with four? He says, but there will be those that are righteous. And they'll go through this and they'll unlock righteous habits. And you'll pass them on to a thousand generations. Because listen, this is bigger than I'm going to make my life better this year. This is bigger than I'm just going to improve me and my bank account and my health and my stuff. This is literally God saying in a blueprint, you can unlock a thousand generations of your heritage with this. And pass on genetically ways of righteousness. Praise God. And listen, and if you don't want to go through the hard yards to do that, I can't help you. If that doesn't light you and get you excited, as the great preacher said, your wood's wet. <laughs> we need to pray for your soul to dry out so you can catch on fire. And I'm talking, literally, change a nation by changing your habits. Change a nation change a state, change the world, because you allow your own self to be rewired in such a deep way that it's so transformative, you pass it on. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God. So if you're ready, and if you're willing, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything physical, but I am going to ask you within yourself to respond to what God is leading us into. And if you're willing, I want you to say something like this with me. Say, Father, I'm willing. I want my soul to reflect your truth. I want every part of me to express the truth of the word of life. Prune me, shape me, mold me. I will follow. Amen. And again, and, and to quote the great theologian, Mr. Miyagi, right? Only do that like he said. Transformation, yes, good. Transformation, no, good. Transformation may be squash, just like grapes. <laughs> That's why God says, give me your yes or give me your no. But I can do nothing with your maybe. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God. Keep praying for me this week. If Thank you for listening to our Life of Faith North podcast. If you would like to partner with us by giving, please visit our Cash App page. This can be found at cash.app forward slash dollar sign LOF North. We hope this message was encouraging to you today. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed day.